Like, oh yeah, I'd much rather hear that God is sending revival and there's going to be this great harvest and our church is going to be alive uh, with the life of Christ and overflowing and all these kinds of things. And we want revival. I'm a, I'm a big revival guy. However, it's like if we don't cover this other aspect of this theme of scriptures of God's judgment, why does he judge? How does he judge? What's going on? We are missing actually a huge motivator that will help us to pray toward revival. Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, and we are always here to warn the nation about a variety of things and help you to respond in faith. And today we're focusing specifically on America's judgment. So this is obviously much more on the warning side, but if you hear what we're saying, I believe that you will also be prompted in your spirit to respond in faith during this crucial hour in our nation as well as in in world history and biblical prophecy. And for today, I want to welcome back, after quite a hiatus, I want to welcome back Leona Smith. Thanks for joining us, Leona. Hi, Dave. It's great to be here. Well, Leona... um, we want to hear just real quick a couple of things about you, just so uh, just so we can can understand your background a little bit. Well, I came to the Lord as a teenager, and it was uh, a really uh, an awesome and profound conversion. The Lord literally saved my life, hmm. and um, so I know that I know that the, the Lord Jesus is real, and I um, uh, I have a background in financial services. I also work in healthcare, um, in ministry, and. Um, you know, I teach the word, uh, so it's and I disciple some women. So, um, so I'm just really glad to be here and just just kind of share some thoughts. Mm-hmm. And your uh, your day job? Yeah, my day job. I work in financial services, and I have, um, you know, uh, I work with individual people, helping them financially. You know, um, get uh, plans in place and meet goals and. Um, and just really give advice on investments. Mm-hmm. Well, we are really grateful that you're here. Uh, I remember when we did this like three months ago or so, that uh, it just reminded me again of how insightful you are about the written word of God and what God is saying to this generation, what's actually going on from God's perspective in our nation and in very specific ways. So really glad that we can talk about this because today's a— a heavy topic. Uh, you know, it's something we're not often hearing within churches. I mean, who wants to talk about God's judgment? I mean, are you kidding me? There's a hundred other topics that we could focus on, and yet this is actually a biblical theme. And so here, here's what I would love for us to do, is really to talk about this from a biblical perspective, but then as we go, or especially later on, focus on what is going on here with what is God likely saying to America in relation to his judgment. Even though this is not being talked a lot of, about a lot or often frequently within the church today, it's pretty much a biblical theme. You know, you're barely into the story in the book of Genesis, and God is sending the global flood, a judgment to the entire earth. And then you're closing out the Bible, and Revelation is a book about, about the judgment of God coming to the nations of the earth. I mean, this is, this is huge. And then all of the times that God moves in this way in between. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to uh, bring some clarity to this. And and you know, when you begin to think about why we're not addressing this more uh, in the body of Christ in America, is there anything that's on your heart, Leona? You know, it's just been something that I've noticed for quite a long time that we are really pretty selective in what we really read out of the Bible. That, you know, like when I came to the Lord, it was expected that in church you're going to know the word, you're going to learn the word, you're going to understand doctrine. Um, But now I think people kind of pick out the parts that sound great and skip over the other parts, and they don't really have that same foundation. They don't memorize scripture anymore, uh, you know, to the degree that we did back in the day. And it's just hard because we pick and choose, and the messages that we want are the pleasing ones. We really want to hear that 
we're going to get blessed and God's just, you know, um, you know, he desires that we prosper and that we have our best life now. And, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's hard because that's not actually what the word says. Mm -hmm. And it's been a little bit frustrating and, and hard to watch people being disappointed over the years because they feel like God's failing them because when things happen in life that don't line up with that theology, there's great disappointment, but there's great biblical ignorance, you know? Um, And I think that the secularization of the United States has kind of crept into the church too. And so we've really drifted from our roots and it's not gonna help us in the end because we're just not gonna understand what God is doing. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see people fall away, I'm afraid. And as we go here, um, I'd like to touch a little bit later about revival, but just to put that in here now in light of a message we'd rather hear, like, oh, yeah, I'd much rather hear that God is sending revival and there's going to be this great harvest and our church is going to be alive uh, with the life of Christ and overflowing and all these kinds of things. And we want revival. I'm a, I'm a big revival guy. Um, and I've taught on that and preached towards revival in many settings. However, it's like if we don't cover this other aspect of this theme of scriptures of God's judgment, why does he judge? How does he judge? What's going on? We are missing actually a huge motivator that will help us to pray toward revival. And mm. I personally don't think that these are necessarily mutually exclusive, meaning God's judgment and and God moving in revival. And we've got to talk about that as we go here as well. I, I do have to throw in one thing when you mentioned there about uh, about the, the world, the secular mindset has gotten into the church. There was such a huge reminder of this just a few days ago when CNN's Don Lemon, we'll put him up here on the screen for the YouTubers, but when he said this, I'm going to read this, he said, um, but if you believe in something that hurts another person or that does not give someone the same rights or freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution, because this is under God, I think that's wrong. And then he closes out by saying, God is not about hindering people or even judging people. Now, I have no idea how much of the Bible he's read or not or, or where he is on the faith spectrum, but he's saying um, that, he, he, that judging people is not what God's about. And how many people in the church would actually agree with Don Lemon. I, you know, it's like that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I, I I think that people in the church, it would be really interesting to see a, a poll done. You know, Rasmussen do a poll of what you know what do Christians really believe? Because, you know, if if we did if if God there was some other way. Gee, do you think Jesus would have been crucified? You know, do you think he would have chosen that if there was a way around this? You know, uh, the the penalty for sin, right. and you know, so it it really is an affront to God. I think when we we are um, picking and choosing, you know, what the word says. Now, it's somebody outside of the faith saying something like that. Okay, you know, because that makes sense to. Um, somebody who's unsaved, who doesn't know the Lord, well, right, just of course your nat- God's going to just love everybody. And yeah, your natural mind just goes in that direction. Your natural mind goes in that direction. But in the church, I bet those numbers would be super high. Hmm. And that's why I think what we're talking about today is important, because we're just not hearing it from the pulpit. So before we really jump into nations and judgment and the church and how God deals with us in this area, I do have to emphasize that when you mentioned Jesus going to the cross, that was God the Father's judgment that you and I should have had upon us for our sins. And Jesus is literally taking our judgment for us. We often think of it as he's taking our sin for us, and he did, but he's taking the judgment of a righteous, holy God, paying for that sin so that we don't have to. Even the central event of biblical human history, Jesus' death on the cross, even that is speaking to us about a righteous God and his judgment. Right. And and to your point, I think it's just really nice to read um, the words of John 3.16. For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. Here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue a world headed towards certain destruction. So Jesus came to take that penalty that we deserved. 
you know, the, the sword of Damocles is hanging over the people of the earth. And Jesus says, here, I'll, I'll take that punishment, you know, but, but hey, but, but there's destruction coming if you won't take that gift, you know, because we have sinned, we have dis- disobeyed God, we have gone our own way, and all of us have sinned. And all of us deserve judgment. All of us deserve the penalty that Jesus paid for us. But he came and he took that, you know. Now, the world kind of turns that message and says, well, isn't that terrible? Wouldn't Why would God send anybody to hell for not believing in Jesus? No, the word tells us that we were headed there already. Mm. That's where we would be without him. And so because of the, what he did for us, by t- so the Lord doesn't want us to have to experience, you know, this this judgment and these consequences. But the Word of God tells us that this is what's headed our way if we can't reconcile with God and accept the gift that Jesus has given us. But that that scripture gets twisted a lot, you know, by by the world to say, well, isn't that just so arrogant or so awful that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell? And it's like, no, I was going to hell. And then because I believed in Jesus, I was able to avoid that. We need to shift here to um, nations. And uh, I, I actually want to include the church in here too. But what is God saying to us about judgment? Now, what's so confusing to me is that so many people don't want to address this, even though we already talked about it, it's a major biblical theme in terms of how God does judge people. And yet... It, Okay, and sometimes people think this is a simply an Old Testament idea, and yet in 1 Peter 4.17, um, it's clear that judgment begins in the house of God. It begins in the church. So here we are, we're trying to deny that the judgment even exists, that God would judge anybody. We're trying to suppress these truths or explain them away. And what does the Word say? The very first place that God will judge is his own people in the church. And let me read this. First Peter 4, 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? This is so heavy. And the first place it's directed to? Us in the church. Right. God wants a pure and holy bride. And, you know, I can't help from thinking about that truth in 1 Peter 4 to the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. You've got seven churches. Five are called specifically to repent over very specific sins if you read it read it and through. And those are believers. Yes, and that is toward believers, just like 1 Peter 4. And God says that if, uh, for example, in, in the first church, the church of Ephesus, that if you do not repent and return to me as your first love, that he will remove his lampstand. He's actually going to take his presence away. The church is actually going to have to close its doors if they don't repent because because the lampstand will be taken away. God's presence, the church itself. And it's like that's serious stuff. That is an an example of the church being potentially judged. Now, we know eventually it did get judged in that that way. But he was also saying, hey, you can ju- I can judge you, and if you do repent and humble yourselves and, and I'm your first love, that my judgment will be, or my verdict will be, so to say, speak, it will be towards blessing you. And so um, this might be a good place to stop and just say judgment to find it doesn't simply mean that God's coming in harshness to punish sinful people and wickedness. Now, that is typically how we use the phrase, God's judging this nation or that nation or whatever. But it just simply means that God is going to weigh us in the balance. And if we are in alignment with him and his purposes and his ways, and we're walking with him by faith, not that we're perfect, but that we're walking with him in faith and looking to him and trusting him, it means that he can judge us and saying, my verdict is that I want to bless you. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's very interesting to me to look at it past just the individual person, and now we're looking towards whole groups of people, in this case, the church. I can see from Scripture that, that the Lord's judgment is impartial, and it's always righteous. Now, that that's hard, I think, for our human minds to get our heads around, but you can see repeatedly in Scripture that it's the consequence for our actions, individually and collectively. You know, so... Nations commit corporate sins, 
I commit my own sin, you know, but but I am responsible for my actions. And that's that's a concept that we've gotten away from, you know, as personal as our responsibility. Oh, no, no responsibility. Everybody gets a trophy. It was the teacher's fault. You know, I, you know, I'm not, you know, so this has permeated all of, you know, the, the, um, the country that we live in, our culture and, and the church, you know, so I'm not responsible. It was because I had this happen as a child or I have this, you know, excuse, but I, I'm not, you know, as a Christian apt to hear in many churches today, a real need for holiness in my life and a real accountability. And we need it because, because if we don't, God is saying in scripture, look, this action produces this consequence. That's it. It's not a matter of him, you discipline, like some parents disciplining a child because they've lost control and they're so angry. Mm -hmm. It's because you did this thing wrong. You get this punishment. It's just the way that it is. It's it's not, you know, um, you know, out of a frustration or an anger. It's because I deserve it for what I've done. And I think that right there is just really hard for people to just really own and believe, you know, and that's why we have to look at what the word of God really tells us, because we're not getting that message. Well, I did chuckle just a little bit there when you said about blaming it on the teacher, and I'm still laughing now because I'm picturing myself, if I had come home from school when I was growing up, let's just say roughly 40, 50 years ago, and if I had come home from my elementary school and told my parents it was the teacher's fault, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what would have happened to me. Right? But that just goes to show how different it is now, you know, and, you know, or trying to get your kid on a team. Oh, you want to get your kid on the soccer team? Well, that parent's just going to go in there and tell that coach that you need to be on the team. It's like, how about telling your child to earn it, you know, to work and and work up toward that? And so there's no consequence for anything. There's no need to have to aspire to anything. We don't have goals for ourselves spiritually. We're not striving to live more holy lives and, you know, so I think that that we don't know these scriptures. We don't know what this says. Well, even us. apart we from just... one, even apart from our topic today, one thing that the scriptures teach, mega theme in the Bible, from the first uh, pages to the last pages, is personal responsibility. It is central to the Word of God. So you said something here a moment ago that made me think of Amos chapter 4, and I think this can actually be very helpful uh, in that not every judgment that God sends, and now I'm talking about it in the negative sense where he passes down a verdict of you've been in sin, you've refused to repent, there's wickedness. Not every um, uh, judgment is the final judgment. In fact, right. I, would, I would say this, that his last resort is that final judgment. Okay, right. but there's what's called corrective judgments that are taught in the Bible. And I want to read this from Amos chapter 4, starting in verse 6, because this is so, so vital. These are examples of how God was, yeah, he was shaking the nation of Israel. He was uh, judging it in a, in a lower level kind of way. But he was doing it out of love to draw them back. Lift up your eyes to me. Come back to me. He was a father crying out, wanting, mm-hmm. wanting his children to come back. And so this is what it says. It says, but I gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. And so we're talking about famine. God actually sent the people famine. Why? Not because he hates them. He sent that famine to humble them, that they realize they need something beyond themselves. Self-sufficiency is not going to win the day here. It's not going to meet their needs because they can't. There's a, such a serious famine. But then it goes on to say, yet you have not re- returned to me, declares the Lord. And then it goes on to say, the Lord is essentially saying, I've done other things. He talks about a drought that he withheld rain, and yet the people still did not return to him. It goes on to talk about plagues. It goes on to talk about, about military conflict and war. And after every time, five different times, it says in this short chapter, God is saying, yet you have not returned to me. It's like he's shaking them. 
And he wants them to come back to the God that loves them, actually the God that formed their nation from the very beginning in a very special way through, through those very small beginnings with Abraham. And he's saying, come back to me. And the people are essentially saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, be the solution here. I'm going to figure out this solution or whatever. And they're, they're not coming back to him. All of these are examples of not final judgment, but corrective judgments to bring us back to him. Now think of this, Leona. Look at America in 2020. I think it was a year of corrective judgments. Feels like it. Yeah. I mean, look at a pandemic. The Bible talks about plagues and pandemics and things like COVID-19. And God always has intentions of, of, if we've gotten prideful, to humble ourselves and to come back to him and to turn from our wicked ways and to know him. And, you know, you look at the race riots, so much going on there, another major shaking in 2020. And then you you look at the election, and I would say leading up to the election, it was very contentious. I would say after the election, it can remain contentious there for a while related to issues um, of uh, voter fraud and other things. Uh, we are such a divided nation fundamentally. Uh, in that political arena, even that can be a corrective way of God trying to wake us up, jolt us, like, look, you can't figure this out. You can't figure it out politically. You can't figure it out uh, with the pandemic. You can't figure it out racially. And look to me. It's corrective in nature. Well, and it's also incremental. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse before, you know, it's not just like God lowers the boom without any warning. He's giving us lots of warning along the way. We're just ignoring the signs. And you, you see in scripture, how many times, um, you know, he says, uh, he says, I, I've tried to warn you, Jesus crying over Jerusalem, you know, like he, you know, like, but you won't listen, you know, it's just, he's, you know, he's just heartbroken over the fact that they are refusing every word of warning, every corrective word. And so judgment starts to come. And it's and even as they're starting to feel it, they're not turning back to God. They get hardened in their sin. And it's painful to see that and know that, you know, that ultimate judgment's on the way if we don't turn it around. So what should alarm us um, in our nation right now is what this Amos 4 passage teaches, if you don't listen to the corrective, ju corrective judgments, there is going to be a final judgment. And I think in our nation here, you know, like let's say Amos was writing this prophecy to America today, I think he would have also included, did I not um, shake your nation through 9-11? Did I not shake your nation through natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina, the most uh, expensive natural disaster in our nation's history. Uh, would I not, did I not shake your nation and try to shake you out of your lethargy because you're so um, materially prosperous? And did he not try to shake us in the 2008, 2009 yeah. financial meltdown? I mean, there is so many ways. I think if we're reading the scriptures correctly, we need to look at how God has done corrective judgments. And then it says this at the end of Amos 4, because Israel did not listen. And God said this in light of them not listening. He said five times, you've not returned to me, even though I've done all these things. He says, therefore, thus will I say to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God. And that is saying final judgment is on the way. It should break our hearts. It should bring us into mourning and grieving. And how did we get here and crying out to the Lord? And so as we're looking and grappling with what uh, the scriptures say, God's perspective on judgments, super important. There are corrective uh, judgments. And then if not adhered to or responded to, there will be a final judgment. Exactly. And, you know, if, if, we look at a scripture it's a long chapter and you know i know you know we're it's just too much for us to unpack right now but if if we look at deuteronomy 28 that would be for me the single best place that i could point to somebody to show look when a nation aligns with god principles and lives in harmony with what the word of god teaches us there are beautiful blessings that flow 
and they are all laid out there. So when we choose to follow the Lord, if Moses says, if you listen closely to the voice of the eternal God and carefully obey all his commands I'm giving you today, he'll lift you high above every other nation on the earth and all of the following blessings will be yours. Great. And so we've, you know, there, but there's another side to that ledger. And if we choose to not follow the Lord and we choose to go our own way, we've, you know, we become a secularized nation. We have lost our salt and light in this culture and we have really very little impact. Christians have, you know, lost a lot of ground along the way here. And we really are not relevant in society the way that we were certainly when we were growing up. Um, you know, we've fallen so far. There's a whole nother side to that chapter. And it talks about the curses that follow the judgments. The door is open to a lot of misery. And the choice is the nations. You know, God says, look, I'm setting before you, you know, this, this, this decision, if you choose to obey. But the onus is on us. And, and, and as a church, I really believe that we've really got to absorb these words. We as believers have to be back in prayer, really realizing that judgment is real, that the consequences happen for our sin, and that we really need to be interceding for our nation while we can. And, um, and really educating believers as to what the word of God actually really says so that we can really um, spiritually do everything that we can to, to help through prayer and intercession, bring us back to the place that we, you know, can, can claw back, you know, from that, that final judgment, because it certainly feels like it's at the door with everything that's happening now. The, the first time that I'd heard anybody uh, teach from uh, or preach from Deuteronomy 28, it was actually Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And, you know, um, in his lifetime, they launched Campus Crusade in 1951 at UCLA. And by the time he died in 2003, 52 years later, the ministry had exploded to 26,000 full-time staff in 190 countries or something like that. And it's just amazing. Um, but he he really preached strongly out of Deuteronomy 28. All these years later, I still have this, this vivid memory. And he said, look, I understand that these promises and curses to a nation from Deuteronomy 20, 28 are directed at the nation of Israel. But then he went on to say, but there's fundamental principles here that we can learn from the nation of Israel. And it's so powerful. I remember that uh, Dr. Bright, he challenged everybody in that message to holiness and to live full on for God or the nation will be judged. Uh, you know, uh, you being a, a financial uh, expert, you'll appreciate this. But I also remember that in De Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, it talks about one way you know you're blessed as a nation is if you're not a debtor nation, but a creditor nation, meaning you can loan to other nations. But if you fast forward to Deuteronomy 28, verse 44, verse 44 explains that if God has removed his hand of blessing, you will need, um, you will become a debtor nation and you will need to receive money from other nations. And when I look at that, oh my, America right now today, over $28 trillion in debt. Do you think God might be trying to say something to our nation? Oh yeah, and that's in our lifetime. We were a creditor nation. We let, we lended to the world, you know, out of our abundance. And now, um, we're very dependent on the the kindness of foreigners to buy our treasuries. Yeah, no, this is this, we are right in the midst of this. We can see it right before us. Absolutely. Okay, so one principle when it comes to God judging nations, and I want to say both judging with bringing punishment to the wicked and to the wayward and the hard-hearted that will not respond to him, but also that God can hand down judgments of blessing and prosperity and drawing near. So seeing judgment again kind of as, a, as God is on his throne judging as a verdict of one or the other, I want to read Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 through 10. And it says this, we'll put it up on the screen for the YouTubers, but it says, 
at one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turned from its evil, turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I had planned to bring on it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. It's all about hearing God's voice and in following him. And I think we need to understand here that as generations go by, one after the other, either a nation is moving more toward um, being in better alignment with God's will and God's ways and faith and all these kinds of things and coming to faith in Christ and these kinds of things. Or as the generations go by, a nation is departing from God's will and ways. This is exactly what Jeremiah 18, 7 through 10 is talking about. It's talking about this, if I can just summarize it in one sentence, God weighs every nation in his balances. And this is a timeless principle. It's so vital that we see this within the church today. And it, and it says here about, at the end, about not hearing God's voices. We have departed, not hearing, not obeying God's voice in this nation. I am right. deeply concerned, uh, even like that holy trembling that's talked about, I believe it's in Isaiah 66, trembling at God's word. Where does this right. leave America? If we are way, being weighed in God's balances. Look at our great awakenings. Look at our great history. Look at how God has blessed us. And what are we doing today? It's like Jonathan Kant says, we are fighting against our own foundations. You know, are we prepared to meet our God like you read before? You know, uh, are we? You know, and that's that's what we really have to get to is that place where we really are ready to meet the Lord and we're taking him seriously and taking his word seriously. And that's a very like, heavy thing to to carry in our spirit, you know, are, are we ready? Uh, and I, yet, I think we need to feel that. I don't think we should run past that or just move into the next energetic worship session or whatever. Like, we have to feel this. It should—I've studied this out in several passages um, that talk about how we should actually come before the Lord in mourning and grieving, and that is not something— that uh, is um, emphasized, to say the least, in the church today. Uh, but it should bring us to that low spot, but it's in that low spot where we lift up our eyes and we meet with the Lord and we get on his page. We, it's like his heart becomes our heart. He sees what's going on in America today. It's so vital that we enter in and, and don't miss anything that he's saying um, on this topic. And, okay, so... Most people, at least it's been my perspective, uh, my experience, most people have never heard Jeremiah 18, 7 through 10, and this idea that God weighs nations in the balances then, but he still does it today. I believe that this principle in Jeremiah is, is uh, supported in the New Testament. And, uh, and you know what's interesting is another thing is people want to say, well, God just judged people in the Old Testament. It was really only Israel. Well, you know what? If you go to the prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter 5, um, Nebuchadnezzar's successor is having a party to beat all parties, and he, uh, his name is Belshazzar, and he is uh, a wicked king, and he's, it's come to the end of the Babylonian empire, and God is coming to judge. Now think about what we just read in Jeremiah 18. And, and look at this. I'm reading from uh, Daniel chapter 5. There's the handwriting that happens by this hand on the wall. And, and part of what that is written on the wall is, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting, or in other words, lacking or deficient. The holy God writes on the wall, what's the, what's the status of Babylon? And it's terrifying because whatever corrective judgments they had had, they're now at the final judgment. And that night, God ends the Babylonian empire and in one night turns it over 
to the to the Medes and the Persians, and it becomes the Medo-Persian Empire. This is stunning how quickly it can happen, how devastating it can be, how complete it can be. And and, and what I wanted to highlight here is this is Babylon. This is not the nation of Israel. So people that are thinking, oh, we just have some uh, Jewish Isra- nation of Israel judgment thing going on, and we can dismiss that for today. That's not true. God judges every nation in his balance. Well, yeah. And while you're in Daniel chapter five, it's interesting because his reaction when the fingers of a human hand appeared and began to write on the plaster of the palace walls, um, he stood transfixed watching the hand and then his face changed. He grew pale and began to feel sick. His thoughts frightened him. What was this strange vision? His legs felt weak and wobbly, his knees knocked together. He cried out to his servants, ordering them to bring in people that could you know, interpret this for him. And, and, you know, so look at that, look at that fear that he had like that, like if we really could imagine ourselves having to stand before God and answering for what we do individually and as a country, we would, you know, like we, we just have to get back to that place. We just have to get back to that place of understanding. Cause I mean, even in the new Testament in, in revelation, you had mentioned earlier, Dave, the warnings of Jesus to the churches, those were consequences that were coming, you know, and these were b- believers who were doing some things, you know, great, but there were other open doors that, that they had for things that were going to cause judgment to come to them. So, you know, those were stern warnings. God loves them, but he loves us enough to warn us. He loves us enough to try and correct us. It's our decision which way we're going to go. We were, we will not be able when we stand before the Lord to kind of say, oh, you didn't tell me, hmm. you know, or... Um, gee, I hadn't heard that before because we will have heard it along the way and we can choose to um, repent and go back to the Lord and, and, and experience his love and forgiveness. But we can't just, you know, coast through life on this like hyper grace that all is going to be okay because it's not. The word doesn't tell us that. The world word tells us that we are opening ourselves up to severe consequences if we, we, we drift away and and we can't allow that to happen. We've got to realize that that it matters. Our our behavior matters. What we believe matters, and how we live our life really matters. Wow. Um, again, very sobering. Yeah. And um, going back to Daniel five and what you just described of how this Babylonian emperor sees the hand on the wall and it says he turned white, he became afraid, he's shaking in his boots, so to speak. Uh, and he, and he, he was rightfully shaking in his boots. Um, you know, I look at our nation right now and I mean, we can track a pretty troubling trajectory for decades, if not a couple of generations or so. But just here in 2021, I'm shaking in my boots because I see what's going on. And we could talk about a hundred things, but I specifically want to say, talk about transgenderism. It's interesting to me. It's not just the LGBTQ in general. It's specifically transgenderism that is just exploding. And why this I think should strike the fear of God in all of our hearts. He could judge just over this one issue, but why it should strike fear in our hearts is because at the very fundamental uh, position of God in creation, he said, I created them male and female rather than supporting little boys as they grow up as boys and girls as girls. What we're doing is we're messing with God's creation. Can you imagine not only how he feels for the general population, but how God looks at little kids now that are going to be struggling with, well, I'm biologically male, but maybe I'm really a girl, and how the the culture is trying to feed this into us. I mean, honestly, Leona, I just, I'm just like, terrified at what God could do just over this one issue. It strikes at who he is as our creator. No, and, and, but we're, but it's even like so much broader than that, because even if we look at the gene editing that we're doing with that technology, 
you know, we've got companies out there that can create designer babies, you know, and on the one hand, isn't that nice that they can go in and maybe edit sickle cell anemia out of your genes, but, you know, they could instill, you know, um, other traits, you know, and, and just that's messing with creation very directly in the womb. I mean, on so many levels where we're, we're really becoming gods in our own eyes and living the way that we think is right. We've just become so secularized over these many decades that we don't feel accountable to God at all. So when we don't feel accountable to God, anything we think is okay. If we think it's okay, it is okay. If it makes sense, great. You know, it doesn't matter that, you know, if there was really all this gender fluidity, then you would see, you know, a bull producing milk and you would see a rooster producing eggs, but you just don't, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, God did create a certain order. God loves everybody wherever they are and whatever they're struggling with, but he's not okay with us re-engineering his creation. He's just not. And, and we can't look at scripture and think that at any level, he's okay with that. There's no support for that whatsoever. Matter of fact, we see the consequences of um, of um, when you know the uh, ziggurat was built, and you know we're gonna we're gonna build a tower to heaven. How much farther have we drifted from that? You know, like the Lord destroyed that because they were able to, you know, create all kinds of evil from that that one action. You know, they were united in that in that sin, and it's when we get to that place of being united, you know, coming together as one mind against the Lord for evil. We are really, you know, on um, a path that's really not going to end well for us because we are so opening that door to um, to judgment to come. But we are gods in our own eyes. So, of course, it makes sense. You know, to us, we don't feel accountable to God. 20 years ago, that couldn't have been something big happening in our in our culture. But we've drifted so far that it's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we really have got to repent or this is just not going to end well for us. It just is. And we could add so many other things that are manifesting in society that are showing us that we are just not living, you know, um, Ezekiel uh, chapter 16, 49 talks about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were arrogant, gluttonous, prideful, and they did these horrible, you know, they committed these horrible sins. And, but you know that that attitude of the heart that hardness of the heart they didn't take care of the poor in their midst well are we doing that really you know you see the homeless population you know, just burgeoning in every major city um you know things are really off the tracks in so many ways and we why aren't we seeing that because we're just too far from the lord we just we're a nerd to it and that's hard to admit but that's where we really are it's truly time to get low before the Lord. And as we said at the outset of this podcast, you know, there is uh, various, like, talk and urging and messages all related to revival and the coming revival and all of these kinds of things. And I believe in revival, but we need to take this very seriously in terms of the condition of our own hearts our own churches, again, judgment begins in the house of God. And we need to take this very seriously about our whole nation and everything you were just describing here, that these things, it's not that God is winking at them or he doesn't notice or whatever. God absolutely is holy and he sees everything. If we get one thing out of Revelation 1 with the appearance of of Jesus in his glory is his eyes are a flame of fire. They are holy. You don't trifle with him on any of, of these issues. And I don't know what you think about this, Leona, but um, I'm actually shifting a bit when I when I'm thinking about revival. And again, it's a huge deal for me, and I, I think revival and God moving in power is, is uh, so needed and necessary. But I'm shifting a bit uh, in that I don't know if the revival that I hope is coming and I'm believing God for, I don't know if it averts the coming judgment, whether we're talking about greater corrective judgments or final judgment. And this is what I'm thinking. Do we need to be crying out for revival, surrendering our lives to Christ, uh, being completely clean before him and full of faith in revival? Do we need this revival to actually empower us through the greater judgments, corrective judgments, and things that are coming? And it's like, oh my gosh, are we really here 
that far down the path in America that this is how we should think about it. And I'm not saying for anybody else, but for me, I'm like thinking, I see revival more important than ever, but it's because of the dangerous trajectory we're on and what I believe is coming. We've got to uh, live in revival. Yeah, and um, and it's for equipping us to get through and making sure that we're unshakable when when it really happens, you know, because I, it's like fingernails on the chalkboard to me every time I hear um, a lot of happy talk about, oh, we're going to have revival and somebody else has just, you know, um, you know, released a word of, of great expectation that we're going to have this big happy revival and, you know, this year is going to be a year of blessing. And I look back at like all the words we got like that last year. Oh, going to be a great year. We're, you know, and just uh, God's going to bless us. And it's always like, we're going to get more. And, and our, the words that we gravitate toward are the ones of blessing, prosperity, ease, you know, like it's going to be so great. And then we look, we have to look around the world at our brothers and sisters in countries like Uganda, who had a great revival, but they had great persecution. You know, and, you know, and it was out of that persecution that the church got really strong and became the light that it is now in that country. But, you know, we don't have any knowledge of what Christians are going through in other parts of the world and how tough it really is to be a Christian. And so I think these these messages lack balance. I think that we have to understand that, you know, the revival may come to prepare us for a time of real difficulty. We are seeing already in this country very strong um, indications that life for Christians in this country will get tougher, not easier. The censorship is a big thing that I'm noticing. You know, Christian, um, cr- cr- there, if, if HR is at H, I'm going to confuse HR 1 and HR 5, but if HR 1 gets passed, it's going to be it's going to be an opportunity to really persecute the church. It's going to be really tough for the church because the current, you know, um, the the broadening of um, discrimination uh, for gender, for, you know, race, age, everything is just going to be such an open opportunity for the government to start, you know, infiltrating, you know, coming after the church Mm -hmm. and attacking the church. And if you read the the meat of that bill, it's it's pretty scary. So when we're looking around and we're seeing, it's not just the behaviors of the people in the country that are opening the door to judgment. It's what the government is doing. And you look and you see that Christian persecution could be a real thing in this country. You know, in two years, it might we might not be able to have a video like this. You know, um, just we could, might not be able to discuss this publicly. You might be deplatformed off of YouTube or something. Um, you know, that's really starting to happen, and we've got to realize that. Um, you know, in other countries, Christians have their, had their lives on the line for, for just owning a Bible. So that may happen here. Um, are, are, if, you refer, are you referring to the Equality Act? Yes. Okay. I think that's H.R. 1. Yeah, that's H.R. 5. H.R. 1 oh, would be about okay. ele- election reform. But yeah, that's point well taken. We'll have to see if H.R. 5 gets through the Senate or not. It's already been passed by the House. It's just been an unbelievable year when we look at these kinds of things, whether it was the House of Representatives uh, for their legislative session, the 117th session, not allowing gender-specific pronouns uh, within their government business. I mean, are you kidding me? And uh, and just going on from there, the... the uh, the Biden administration is not supporting this this lawsuit that's going forward from Connecticut and the, these three female athletes that are are saying, look, we've been discriminated against as biological women. Um, our, our, our high school uh, competitions, we got beat out by biological boys who were posing as females. And I mean, and it's like, wow. And then on top of that, you know, you look at like some of the the cabinet appointees like Miguel Cardano, who's completely in favor of um, of transgender sports, it's going to destroy women's athletics. But but what we're not we're not so much talking about that, although that's important. But it's how God is viewing us, mm-hmm. and it's time to really get serious uh, serious with the Lord. And, and I think that these things, it's easy to look and say, kid ourselves that if we corrected the behavior. Like if we just could change that behavior and stop that right now, that it would really be enough to avert judgment in the eyes of the Lord. But but I think that that behavior 
our behavior is a manifestation of the sin that's in our hearts. You know, that that's where the, the, the real repentance has to come from that, you know, the behavior, the, the behavior is a sign. I, I heard David Wilkerson preach a message. Oh, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago. And he said, the beggars are a sign. He said, you watch. He said that, that the homeless population is going to increase in the United States and the beggars will be a sign. The more homeless that you see, the closer to judgment we are. And man, if you don't look at what's happening in the major city, look at California, look at San Francisco and look at LA, you got 60,000 people homeless in LA, just just mind boggling. So it's the the evidence that judgment is near is the escalation of this, all of this, you know, um, behavior that really is, is out of line with the word of God. Mm-hmm. So the signs are there. I mean, they, they really are. We've, we've got to repent or, and we've got to get ready. You know, we've got to really be strong in who we are as Christians and whose we are and really um, know that the Lord will get us through it, but we have to go low. I agree with you. We've got to really be in humility and and we've really got to get, um, you know, back to what the Bible is really saying, all of it, not just the parts we like. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to have to conclude on that note. And uh, Leona, thank you for really clarifying so many things from the scriptures and driving this home. And I just want to remind everyone that Leona and I, we are not dismissing judgment at all. In fact, we've spent all this time unpacking it from the scriptures and what's going on in our nation because I believe America's judgment is here now. Shakings are here now. Shakings have been here for a while. Greater shakings to come. And also, Leona and I are not dismissing revival. Uh, At least, again, in my view, we have got to live revived lives full of the Holy Spirit, walking with Christ, full of faith, obedient to God's word because of what is yet to come. If we think COVID-19 was the hardest shaking or the the greatest shaking we're going to experience, we have deceived ourselves. This is just vital that we understand the day and hour we're living in and um, understand what the scriptures teach about both judgment and revival. And so everyone, thank you for joining us today on Insights. If you want to take a deep dive on on what God thinks of nations through the scriptures, uh, pick up a copy of America in the Balance, subtitle, God's Perspective on Nations and What to Do. You can find them at uh, that, that workbook at Forerunners of America at the store. We'll also put it up on the screen here for the, the YouTubers. So thank you for joining us. And Leona, thank you for joining uh, this podcast. 